we are exploring something called the relationship between what we do, what we can do, and how that influences our internal structure. Some of the analogies that we used were based on a principle, just using it as a marshal, and we're going to try explore it, explore it in the text right now, of neuroplasticity. A scientific theory which asserts that the brain is essentially plastic. That doesn't mean air and that it's made out of the substance that we know as plastic. Rather what it means is it's open to be modified and radically changed. That even though there are certain areas of the brain which generally perform certain functions, that's not absolute and people through training and stimulation can actually Dun, dun, dun. Are you scratching like something? <laughs> <laughs> Don't let that happen again, please. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Rabbi. Move for me. They actually, through stimulating, stimulating different parts of your behavior, you can, you can re- rewire your brain. That's a basic principle. Even though there's the auditory normally processed sound, but a person can have lost his auditory sense sometimes almost completely, and he can actually learn to hear again. He can lose his, his motor coordination and learn to walk again. And there's been dramatic advancements in the field of what's called neuroplasticity. What we want to do is we want to discuss how wiring our actions, our actions, so basically, for example, just to give you an example, people characteristically stroke victims were rendered very often paralyzed for the rest of their life. Um, there's a particular therapist known as Torb. He did some very interesting experiments. He was actually indicted because of animal cruelty, which is like a big setup and frame up by Peter, and he became famous for what were called the uh, Silver Spring Monkeys. He did experiments using monkeys as, as the, as the experiment, experimental animal, and, but he made major breakthroughs in terms of how you can rehabilitate stroke victims, and an example of such would be a, a person that has a stroke, and his left side is paralyzed. What he does is, in this intensive therapy, it's called CI, they would tie, they would tie, or put, no, they put, they put, a, they put the hand, which is functioning, in a sling with a baseball mitt on it. So you can't use it for any kind of fine, dexterous movements. And the paralyzed arm is now the only arm that you have at your disposal. And what they found is, by going through very, very small motor movements, increasing the complexity over the course of time and doing this for three hours per day consistently over a period of let's say three weeks improves dramatically dramatically the person's functionality until people that literally the most exceptional case was a person that had a stroke when he was seven and the left side of his body kept on falling over up to 300 times a year was completely almost completely unusable and after going through therapy in the course of three years he fell seven times and he says he just keeps on getting better and getting better by practice, 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 practice. In other words, the neurological explanation is that the, if you mind map, if you brain, if you take a brain map of the person 
prior to the therapy and after the therapy, you'll actually find that there's completely different neurological activity in different parts of the brain after the activity that didn't exist prior to the activity. That you can create whole new brain areas which didn't exist and transport those functions to those areas, which is fascinating. We want to examine that, examine that idea from the perspective of the Sefer HaChinuch. The Sefer HaChinuch was written by an anonymous author in the period of the Rishonim. And uh, it's written as a, uh, he writes in his introduction, or something in case his son was bored on a Shabbos afternoon, he had something to read. Shabbos table, some people. Um, but what he does is he describes all the 613 mitzvahs and he goes into what he calls the Shorashah mitzvah, some of the roots of the mitzvahs, which go, go in a way to explain, to explain the, the meanings and the philosophy behind them. And the mitzvah that we're going to be dealing with is a rather obscure one. There's a obligation to bring what's called the Paschal Lamb on the Passover festival. Paschal Lamb, the Korban Pesach, is every able-bodied Jew, man, woman, and child of the right age was obligated during the festival of Passover and on the Seder night to have a portion of what was called the Korban Pesach which was a, a lamb or a goat that was slaughtered and offered up in the if temple. If you're allergic to lamb, do you have to eat it? That's a great question. So I might be allergic to lamb, I found out. So you could always go for the goat. There you go. You can bring a goat? You can bring a goat. Okay. Whew. What a close shave. So, this was, this, this, this was a prerequisite. One of the details of the halachas of this particular mitzvah was when you're eating that korban, there was a prohibition to break the bones of the animal whilst you're... In other words, to break the bones, and let's say, for example, suck out the marrow, was a negative transgression that was as treif as treif. Bizarre. Strange. You've got this animal, it's been roasted on a spit, it's delicious, succulent and tender, and whilst you're eating it, let's say for example, you get the ribs, and you decide to break the rib cage, Isur Doraisa, Favos, why? Sounds absurd. Goes along the Sefer Chinuch in Mitzvah Tes Zain 16 to explain it, and I begin by reading at the top of page in your volumes, Vav. Says the Sefer Chinuch, the roots of this mitzvah is to remember the miracles which occurred in the land of Egypt as are many of the mitzvahs which surround the festival of Pesach it's to keep fresh the memory of the miraculous events which took place in Mitzrayim in order to make them the ongoing psyche of the Jewish people lest they forget the supernatural control of the world even when it appears to be natural there's a divine force and energy guiding absolutely every molecule in the known and unknown universe and were it to this divine force withdraw its energy the entire universe would evaporate into nothingness in a millisecond. So that's an important lesson to remember. And therefore this is one of those 
one of those mitzvahs which encourages that kind of mind frame and approach to life. Because when you see life that way, everything changes. Everything changes. In fact, the universe becomes plastic. I don't mean plastic, Eric. I mean the universe becomes flexible, malleable, open to change. There's nothing fixed. The fixidity, a new word, of the universe is purely an illusion. Really, at its source, cause and effect are obligated to obey a higher order and therefore were it to be that the Abishta would choose water to become solid rather than liquid, that could happen in an instant, as it did in the sea. Were it to be that the Abishta would choose that it should be dark for one and light for the, for the other, even though they both got perfect eyesight, that could happen. In fact, anything could happen at any point in time. The fact that it doesn't is for reasons which are important, which we're not going to discuss precisely now, but that attitude towards the untold potential in every moment is a very different way of perceiving life and how much you can achieve and do. There's essentially very little limitation. So, says the Chinuch, now he goes on and he says, the first reason why you don't break this bone is in order to remember the miracles of Mitzrayim. But, the Gamzeh this is another offshoot from the above mentioned root. It is not honorable, respectful, befitting for princes and counselors. It is inappropriate for princes, nobility, royalty, to break bones like dogs. Lowly, base, greedy, demeaning activity. It's inappropriate. Maybe people who are starving and they have no choice, they can. But for us, specifically on the Seder night, where we celebrate the majestic heritage that we celebrate until this very day, this moment in time, that we are carrying forth the beacon of conscience and godliness to the known an unknown world for us those princes of light to behave in a way which is demeaning is below our station think Banai aristocracy think majesty think royalty control and conduct of the highest order Okay. As we enter into this unique position amongst the global community to be set aside as a chosen nation, 
a nation of princes, a holy nation. And each and every year at that time, we have to do activities. And now we start to see the Chinuch building his hypothesis, his understanding of how actions enter into a dialogue with our emotional and psychological world, Betito. Isn't that an interesting expression? Actions which show us. They demonstrate us. Those actions indicate to us, the recipients and the performers of those actions, the incredible lofty level that we reached at that time. And from within the act and this comparison that we automatically make, it becomes established in ourselves this issue, this matter forever. In other words, the actions create a mind frame, an attitude, a way of perception of self that becomes an established identity beyond the time and space of the particular activity, a person starts to conduct himself with a deeper sense of self-respect. His movements bespeak grandeur as he enters into the arena of life knowing that he has a privileged task and a mission to perform. Because I'm writing this book for you, as we mentioned in the introduction, the Sefer Chinuch was written to his son. Don't say to me, don't catch me by saying, Why did Hashem command us to do all these things to remember that miracle? Why do you have to do? Bring the Korban Pesach. Be careful not to break the bones. Eat matzah. Say the Pesach Agada. Keep it for seven days. Do all this elaborate deed after deed, action after action, thing after thing. I mean, really, surely a kind of reminder, have a PowerPoint presentation, surely that should do the job, as unfortunately in many reconstructionist places it probably does, accompanied by the rabbi on the harp. <laughs> rabbi Christina. Van Gogelschmuggel. Da. No, my son. Ki loy mi your question, my dear son, is not asked from wisdom. And it is the thoughts of youth that have prompted you to speak in this fashion. now my son in if understanding thou seekest, listen to this. Incline your ear and hear. I will teach you a method of approach in both Torah and mitzvahs. Da. 
You should know. Here he says the words which have become world famous in Judaism. The famous line. These four, five words have become a catchphrase in the world of Torah. Ki ha'adam nifal kafi pulaisov. Five words. Ki ha'adam, because a man, nifal is activated kafi according according to his actions. What you do makes who you are. And he goes on to explain what this means. And your experience of the situation and your thoughts are governed by what you do. Whether it be for good or for bad. And Daniel Cain, he starts to address the question that you asked yesterday. A person that has every evil intent. And all he does is think about doing bad and bad and more bad. If he awakens his spirit, which is a crucial point in the process, meaning he decides that he'd like to shift his perspective, and he makes an internal emotional decision to change, and he shifts his occupation to the study of Torah doing mitzvahs, even though he can't get access it for the altruistic reasons and doing it for the heaven's sake, Miyad, you not tell a type. Immediately he'll be inclined to the good. And eventually, in the course of time, he'll trans- traverse the barrier of doing things for ulterior motives and doing them for pure motivation. And in the strength of his actions, he will slaughter the Yetzirah. This is a very famous line, almost as famous as the first, but at the same point, after actions are pulled the hearts. The heart means your internal experience of reality. If you have a person who is a <coughs> excuse me tzadik gomor an absolutely perfect righteous individual and his heart is straight and perfect and he desires if he spends his time occupied by negative actions for example as an as illustration he was forced under duress to engage in a dishonest trade if he's forced under duress he has no choice he has to deal in a trade that is dishonest over the course of time he will transform internally to become internally wicked as well because the matter is known a person is made of what he does and therefore 
Amru Chachomim Zal, and sages spelled out, Ratzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lezakos Es Yisrael. The intention of the Creator was to purify Klal Yisrael, make them pure in the intent and action. That's why he made an increase and a huge amount of terimitzes. In order that it would be just such a huge chunk of work to do, people would be constantly occupied in mitzvahs. Because through these activities, one after another, helping people, visiting the sick, putting on fitting connecting to a higher spiritual reality, making sure that you control your desires by what you eat and what you look at. All these actions, one after another, mitzvah 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 100, 200, 300, 400, and counting, 500, 600, 613, every day, there you go. When you wake up in the morning, you know what to do, purifying your hands, purifying your mind. You become totally saturated, enveloped, and submerged in a world of purity, and thereby you become pure. And this is what's hinted to in the Gemara A person has a mezuzah on the edge of his door, but sits his big door, and he has fringes upon the edge of his clothing. And he wears twilling upon his hand. He won't come to be dis- to de- deviate from pure behavior. These mitzvahs are with him the whole time. Remember that people used to wear twilling all day long. And therefore he's constantly being moved by the mitzvahs. They're impacting him. They're influencing him. What do you need to do and occupy yourself? You'll be drawn after them and you will not draw them. And do not be deceived by the negative side of self to say, Since my heart is complete and pure in trust and faith of the highest spiritual realm and the Creator Himself. What's wrong if I decide to go and indulge in the pleasures of the flesh? To sit and chill in coffee shops? Again, my addition. To watch comedies. And to be um, around people and discuss sitcoms. These things which you can't categorize as being open averes. Haloi, gam li levav kemoheim. You have to realize, I also have a heart like them. Ketoni ava mimasnehem. Muadua yim shikhuni heim achreim. I have a heart, and I am resistant to their temptations. Why should I be pulled after them? Albany, no, my son. Meaning, do not. He shamem Guard yourselves. Unless you get caught in their trap. Rabim Many have, as a result, drunken the venomous potion. Save yourself. 
Al Yikshe Alecha Miata Ribu Yamitsus Binyan Zichiris Nisa Mitzrayim. As a result, don't be phased by the tremendous amount of the mitzvahs which revolve around the remembrance of the miracles of Mitzrayim. Shem Omud Golubatari Sain, because they serve as a major pillar of our faith. Because the more we get involved in them, the more we will change to make that part of our life real and cogent in our being and behavior. There endeth the words of the Sefer HaChinuch. A powerful delivery of the relationship between actions and internal state of being. There's one word which is crucial that the Sefer HaChinuch does mention. And it's interesting. When he discusses a person is righteous descending to the pits of depravity as opposed to the person who is evil ascending to the heights of spirituality there's a distinction in their descriptions he says if a person is a Rasha he's absolutely wicked if he has an inspiration to change and then he performs actions the actions will indeed influence him the implication is if he just performs by rote actions so since his heart is turned in the opposite direction, the actions need an entrance, they need an access. Whereas, if a person is purely motivated, and he starts to do things, bad things, even though he has no intent or desire to become bad, it will happen automatically. Meaning, becoming bad will be a natural consequence of being around and doing bad things. Becoming good requires an initial inspiration to allow access for the good deeds to influence you. Now, again, from a neurological perspective, one may say that this kind of thing is manifest in the brain map as it will change when a person starts to perform different kinds of deeds. He'll actually re- rewire his entire neurological circuitry until his initial response to something will be radically different to what it was previously through actions. And that's why all the therapies which neural, neuroplasticity involves are what you do. Because through doing, do you change? You do this, you do this, and you can literally become a completely different person. And I feel that this Sefer Chinuch was an important message for us today on this chilly November morning. I thank you for your rapt attention and your kind, devout being present in this lesson here today. And with that, I bid you all farewell.